Welcome to Patreon.com slash Derek Lamont Experience, your one-stop shop for pop culture, sports, gaming, music, and all that good shit news. Of course, my name is Derek Lamont Jackson. How the how the hell are you guys? Uh, welcome to the Derek Lamont Show. If you listened to my Super Bowl preview yesterday, uh, you probably heard me say that I was going to split the show into the week in gaming and then the Derek Lamont Show. I still have not figured that out. I haven't. I have not figured it out, and that's why this is the Derek Lamont Show instead of the week in gaming. You're not only getting gaming news, you're getting news from the other things that I uh, have interest in and that you guys are probably here to hear about. So, without further ado, I'm going to get right into the show. However, right before I press the record button, I saw this nice little update on Reddit. ESPN to broadcast All Elite Wrestling, AEW exclusively in Australia, New Zealand, and the Pacific Islands. Very interesting. So... What does this mean? February 9th, 2023, ESPN, uh, ESPN announced it has secured exclusive broadcast rights to top American professional wrestling promotion, All Elite Wrestling, bringing its premium matches and entertainment to ESPN subscribers in Australia, New Zealand, and the Pacific Islands starting February 16th. That is really quick. This marks AEW's first broadcast deal in Australia, New Zealand, and the Pacific Islands, and ESPN's first broadcast partnership with a professional wrestling organization in the region. AEW, the new professional wrestling league taking the world by storm, is continuing continuing its meteoric rise with record, record high ratings, world-class roster, and highly entertaining product. Each week on ESPN, fans in the region can catch all the action on AEW Dynamite on Thursday and AEW Rampage on Saturday, which would be Wednesday and Friday here in the United States. With same-day replays and episodes made available on demand, in addition, through ESPN, fans will have access to all of AEW's quarterly pay-per-view events, on Delay, Revolution, Double or Nothing, All Out, and Full Gear. AEW's star-studded roster includes Chris Jericho, Brian Danielson, World Champ, MJ, uh, AEW World Champion MJF, John Moxley, Jamie Hayter, Soraya, Kenny Omega, Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks, uh, Darby Allin, Sting, Orange Cassidy, Jay Cargill, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, Claudio Castagnoli, Adam Cole, Baby! The acclaimed Jungle Boy, Samoa Joe, Athena, Tony Storm, Ricky Starks, Wardlow, Buddy Matthews, Powerhouse Hobbs, further bolstering its global pop culture infiltration. AEW has launched an impressive collection uh, of video games, action figures, trading cards, merchandise, and more. The game is not out yet. When AEW Fight Forever comes out, it will be available on Game Pass if you have an Xbox. Um, I don't. I think it's going to be on PC as well. I'm not sure. I'll have to double check on that. But if you have an Xbox one or xbox series x or x you can play it there on game pass and which is where i'll be playing it i'm gonna get wwe 2k23 as well can't wait to play that aw will be available on espn in the following locations australia new zealand fiji samoa tonga the cook islands solomon islands uh Niui, Nauru, vanatu uh kiribati northern marianas tahiti tavala new caledonia america samoa marshall islands Federated States of Micronesia, Papua New Guinea, Wallace, and Futana as far as far, excuse me, as far as a few others. So anyway, um, this is interesting because um, a few years back, right before WrestleMania 31, ESPN struck a deal with WWE where they would show WWE highlights on SportsCenter and stuff like that, ESPN even had coverage live from the site of WrestleMania 31 during the day before the show started later on that night. Jonathan Coachman, who started out, when I remember, in WWE and then moved on 
to ESPN, it was a natural transition for him because he knew the WWE landscape, so they sent him out there. Um, they had interviews with WWE talent, like at a Sports Center desk, live there from Levi Stadium for WrestleMania, and nothing materialized from that. So it's interesting to me that they would get back in the bed with another wrestling promotion. However, it is broadcast rights internationally, not here in the U.S., because TNT, Turner Sports, has AEW's broadcast rights here in the U.S. Um, This is interesting. Obviously, we know it's going to be on Turner here, so I'm not sure how far this deal would go. But I would like to see more wrestling coverage on ESPN. I know everybody's like, it's not real, it's not real. Neither is Game of Thrones, and you guys watch that shit all the fucking time. So don't get mad at me because in my soap opera, in my drama, a guy may get hit by a chair. There's nothing wrong with it, and people have to climb out of steel cages. That's all I'm saying. Uh, but that's very interesting news, and like I said, that just went live right before I pressed the button to record here. So anyway... A lot of stuff to get to, a lot of stuff to get to, so I'm just going to kick it off with um, last Sunday's big night, and that would be the Grammy Awards. Number one, I want to say this. Um, the Takeoff tribute, tribute by Offset was very moving. I will say that. Um, news came out that there was an altercation between Quavo. Um, I'm sorry, Quavo did the tribute, not Offset. I'm so sorry, so sorry. Rest in peace to Takeoff. Word came out that there was an altercation between Quavo and Offset because Quavo blocked Offset from being part of the uh, tribute. I do not know what happened between those brothers. Again, rest in peace to Takeoff. I do know that Quavo and Takeoff, I'm sorry, Qu Qu yes, Quavo and Takeoff went and did their own thing. Still as the Migos, Unconfew. Um, Quavo is Takeoff's uncle. Takeoff basically got Quavo into rapping from the way I understand it. So, I will say this just to say this, but I don't know how true this is, so I'm going to say this this way. Pay attention. Rumor has it, again, rumor has it, that apparently Sweetie had a fling with Offset, who was married to Cardi B. Sweetie had been previously in a relationship with Quavo, okay? Again, Quavo... Offs, uh, takeoff's uncle, Offset being their cousin, okay? Uh, out, out of nowhere, they're like, the Migos broke up. I'm like, this is bullshit, Migos didn't break up. They actually broke up. I don't know why they broke up. I don't know if it's really about Offset and Sweetie or whatever. However, word came out that Quavo and Offset got into an altercation backstage because Quavo apparently blocked Offset from performing. Offset then tweeted, I believe, let me double check, because I don't want to misquote that brother. What the fuck look like uh, fighting my brother, y'all niggas is crazy. Okay, this is three days ago. Um, So, everybody's like, that's bullshit, nothing happened, he tried to spin it, and it's not even spinning, it's nobody's business unless they were there, it's actually, even if you were there to witness it, that is a family issue, it's not my business, it's not your business, it's not Barack Obama's business, it is not Adele's business, it's nobody's business but the members of that family who buried their loved one, let me be very fucking clear about that, 
Cardi said, this is bullshit, it didn't happen. Video surfaced. And it was Cardi yelling at Offset and Quavo telling them they were both wrong. They were both wrong and they needed to solve the shit. I really do want them to sit down and talk it out. They don't know me from a fucking can of paint. I just happen to be one of millions and billions of people who enjoy their music. Um, before Takeoff was unfortunately murdered, I wanted them to figure this out. Because as a trio, they were unfucking matched They were unfucking matched So it's just sad to see that unfortunately it was true. Every family has issues. Mine is no different. I'm sure if you're listening that yours is no different either. Okay? Um, but I would like to see them figure it out. So, again, sending well wishes to the family of, you know, the late great takeoff. Offset, Quavo, Migos as a whole. I want them to figure it out because they should have been up there together. They really should have been up there together. But it's neither here nor there. But anyway, let's talk Grammy winners. Um, I'm not going to do everything because a lot of this shit I don't know and I don't listen to a lot of this stuff. So, uh, nominees for Album of the Year. Voyage by ABBA. I did not know ABBA was still recording. 30 by Adele. Uh, Unverano Sinti by Bad Bunny. I hope I said that correct because I'm not, I do not speak Spanish. Renaissance by Beyonce. Good Morning Gorgeous. The Deluxe Edition, for whatever reason, by Mary J. Blige. Big fan of Mary. Music of the Spirits by Coldplay. Big Coldplay fan. Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers by Kendrick Lamar. I'm not going to lie. This is actually my least favorite Kendrick record. Not going to lie. Like, dead serious. I This is one Kendrick album I may play it once every blue moon, but it's not like I just actually listened to, to Pimp a Butterfly to Pimp a Butterfly while I was in the shower. And that album still resonates with me today. And Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers, I thought it was a growth album, but it just it didn't hit like the other Kendrick albums. Special by Lizzo and Harry's House by Harry Styles, which was the winner. Uh, Record of the Year, Don't Shut Me Down by ABBA, Easy on Me by Adele, Break My Soul by Beyonce, Good Morning Gorgeous by Mary J. Blige, You and Me on the Rock, Brandy Carlisle featuring Lucius, Woman by Doja Cat, Bad Habit by Steve Lacey, The Heart uh, Part 5 by Kendrick Lamar, About Damn Time by Lizzo, as it was by Harry Styles, and that was won uh, one by Lizzo. Now, Song of the Year, which is different than Record of the Year, okay? Uh... A, B, C, D, E, F, U, Sarah Davis, Gail and Dave uh, Penninger, songwriters, About Damn Time, Melissa Lizzo Jefferson, Eric Frederick, Blake Slatkin, Theron, McKill Thomas, songwriters, uh, All Too Well, 10-minute version, the short film, Liz Rose and Taylor Swift, As It Was, Tyler Johnson, Kid Harpoon and Harry Styles, uh, Bad Habit, Matthew Castellanos, Brittany Fouché, Diana Gordon, uh, John Carroll, John Carroll Kirby and Steve Lacey, Break My Soul, Beyonce, Sean Carter, Terry's The Dream, Nash, uh, Gastine Diamante, Christopher Tricky Stewart, Easy On Me, Adele Atkins, and Greg Kirsten, uh, God Did, Tariq Azuz, e, uh, e. Blackman, Khaled Khaled, F. Blank, Sean Carter, John Stevens, Dwayne Carter, William Roberts, and Nicholas Warner. If you're not in the know, that would be DJ Khaled, Jay-Z, uh, Lil Wayne, William Roberts is Rick Ross, and who's John Stevens? I have no idea. I can't think of that. The Heart by Five, Jake Joke, uh, Kosick, Johnny Kosick, Kendrick Lamar, Matt Schaefer, just like that, Bonnie Raitt, which was the winner. I did not know that Bonnie Raitt was still making music, but then again, I've never been a big country fan, so I don't know why I would know that. Um, 
Oh. NFL, I'm sorry, while I'm recording this, NFL awards are happening right now. Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes has secured the second AP Most Valuable Player Award of his career, so Patty Mahomes is NFL MVP. And the Pro Football Hall of Fame class for 2023 has been announced. Um, let's see. Just a second. Oh, look at the puppy. I, I love dogs. NFL honors, of course, was today. Hall of Fame class, offensive tackle Joe Thomas, linebacker Zach Thomas, linebacker Demarcus Ware, cornerback Darrell Revis, cornerback uh, Rondé Barber, uh, posthumously coach Don Coriel, linebacker Chuck Howley, defensive lineman Joe Klecko, and cornerback Ken Riley. Um, a lot of talent on this list. I'm surprised it took this long for Zach Thomas to get in. Uh, Joe Thomas definitely deserved it. Uh, Zach Thomas as well. That's why I'm saying I'm surprised it took this long. Demarcus Ware, very, very talented defensive talent. Uh, Darrell Revis, Rondé Barber, another one I'm surprised it took this long. Uh, Don Coriel should have got into the NFL Hall of Fame. I'm sorry, the Pro Football Hall of Fame a long fucking time ago. This is egregious. Chuck Howley, Joe Klecko, Ken Riley, all these guys very deserve it. So congratulations to them. Uh, back to the Grammys, Best New Artist, Samara Joy. Um... Other nominees, Lotto, Toby Nwige, Molly Tuttle, Wetleg, Muni Long, Domni, Domi and J.D. Beck, Amara Apollo, and Anita. Don't know any of them. I know I've heard Lotto songs, but that's it. Uh, best Pop Solo Performance, Easy On Me by Adele, Moscow Mule by Bad Bunny, Woman by Doja Cat, Bad Habit by Steve Lacey, About Damn Time by Lizzo, As It Was by Harry Styles, Easy On Me by Adele is the winner. I actually love As It Was by Harry Styles. So I was surprised that one didn't win. Um, best pop duo or group performance, Don't Shut Me Down, ABBA, Bam Bam, Camila Cabello, and Ed Sheeran. My Universe, Coldplay, and BTS, I Like You, A Happier Song, Post Malone and Doja Cat, Unholy, Sam Smith and Kim Petras, and that was the winner. Best traditional pop vocal album, Higher by Michael Buble. Um, when Christmas Comes Around, Kelly Clarkson, I Dream of Christmas, Extended, Nora Jones, Evergreen by Pentatonix, and Thank You by Diana Ross. Best Pop Vocal Album, Harry's House by Harry Styles. Uh, Best Dance Electric Recording, Break My Soul by Beyonce. Best Dance Electric Music Album, Renaissance by Beyonce. Best Rap Album, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers by Kendrick Lamar. Other nominees include God Did by DJ Khaled. I Never Liked You by Future, which is a phenomenal. This might be my favorite Future album of all time, I will say that. Come Home, The Kids Miss You by Jack Harlow. Had a couple of joints on there. I kind of I like that album. And It's Almost Dry by Pusha T. Um, had I had a vote, it would have went to Push. I thought that it, it, It's Almost Dry was the best album. That future album was was second to me, but the Push album was right fucking there. Best rap performance: God did DJ Khaled featuring Rick Ross, Lil Wayne, John Legend, and Friday. <laughs> uh, Vegas, Doja Cat, Push and P, Gunna, and Future featuring Young Thug. Nah, man, <laughs> that song did not perform. Did not belong with the rest of these songs i'm being 100 percent real uh f and f let's go hit kid and glorilla congrats to glorilla for the nomination f and f fuck nigga free you know what it is uh the heart part five kendrick lamar winner 
Great song. And the video, even better. Even fucking better in the video. Uh, best Latin pop album, Pasiros, Ruben Blades, and Boca Livre. Christina Aguilera was also nominated for Aguilera. I guess it was a self-titled album. Um, best Musica Urban Urbana album, Bad Bunny took that one. Um, let's see. Best Traditional R&B Performance. Do for Love, Snow Allegra, Keeps on Falling, Babyface featuring Al Mai. Plastic Off the Sofa, Beyonce, Round Midnight, Adam Blackstone featuring Jasmine Sullivan. I love Jasmine Sullivan, by the way. Good Morning Gorgeous by Mary J. Blige. And that one went to Plastic Off the Sofa by Beyonce, which is my favorite song from the Renaissance album. So I'm very happy for the queen there. Best R&B song. Uh, Hours and Hours, Muni Long, Hurt Me So Good, Jasmine Sullivan, Please Don't Walk Away, PJ Morton, Good Morning Gorgeous by Mary J. Blige, Cuff It by Beyonce, Cuff It by Beyonce took it another banger off that Renaissance album. Uh, best R&B album, Good Morning Gorgeous, Mary J. Blige, Breezy, Deluxe by Chris Brown, good album. Black Radio 3, Robert Glasper, Candy Drip, Lucky Day, Watch the Sun, PJ Morden. That one went to Robert Glasper. Apparently, Chris Brown did not know who Robert Glasper was and was like, who the fuck is Robert Glasper? And he's like, y'all are fucking with me. Y'all are serious. And then he apologized the next day like, oh, bro, I didn't realize it was you and da-da-da-da-da. Robert Glasper is extremely talented. Chris Brown is extremely talented. I need C. Breezy to chill the fuck out, though, sometimes. Um... I don't know anything about a lot of these, uh, so we're just going to skip them. Best compilation soundtrack for visual media went to Encanto, various artists, so congrats to them. And that's just kind of a recap, a light recap of the Grammys, because, again, a lot of the stuff I did not know. I could not li list a Bad Bunny song for you if I tried. Um, I have nothing against that gentleman. I just, number one, I don't speak Spanish, so I wouldn't be able to understand what the hell is going on. I'm just being completely honest for with you guys. And if you feel I'm wrong for that, hey, that's perfectly fine. You're entitled to your opinion. I just don't fucking know anything about it. But on to gaming news. Our first story comes from VideoGamesChronicle.com. Bobby Kotick of Activision Blizzard accuses Sony of trying to sabotage Microsoft's Activision takeover. The exec claims PlayStation chief Ryan has stopped talking to both. Well, guess what? Bobby Kotick stands to make a lot of fucking money from this acquisition and even though he doesn't fucking deserve it because he allowed a toxic terrible fucking situation to fester at activision blizzard we're not going to even talk about the bill cosby room where they would take a a framed picture of bill cosby and take it to every hotel take it to every hotel when they had a trade show or something like that and they would do unspeakable things to female employees and things like that in this hotel room. Bobby Kotick shouldn't be getting a dime. He should have been terminated. Let me be very fucking clear. Anyway, the executive has been talking to the press this month as competition authorities in the UK, EU, and the US continue to scrutinize and raise objections over the proposed $69 billion acquisition. More on that in just a second. And the latest development, the UK's Competition and Markets Authority, the CMA, provisionally found that the deal could reduce competition and result in higher prices, fewer choices, or less innovation for UK gamers. Speaking to the Financial Times, Kodak expressed concern that the uh, ideologues were taking over the agencies and claimed that Sony Interactive CEOs and other executives had stopped returning calls from Activision and Microsoft. 
Quote, suddenly Sony's entire leadership team stopped talking to anyone at Microsoft, Kodak said. I think this is all Sony just trying to sabotage the transaction. Hey, Bobby Kodak, what is one of the pillar franchises of Activision Blizzard? Oh, yeah, that's right. It's Call of Duty. Where does Call of Duty perform the best on the Sony PlayStation consoles? You don't really give a shit. You just want your payday. Bobby Kodak, from what I understand, was supposed to make $80 million dollars off of this acquisition that's why he's upset he's uh, the article goes on to say he added quote the whole idea that we are not going to support a playstation or that microsoft would not support the playstation is absurd hey guess what bobby kodak when microsoft acquired bethesda zenimax what did they do oh guess what the next elder scrolls xbox and pc exclusive uh starfield xbox and pc exclusive well, Deathloop, since it was a contract with PlayStation for it to be console exclusive to PlayStation first, we're going to honor that agreement, but it's coming to Game Pass eventually. Oh, all the heavy hitters in the future? Yeah, we're going to hold those for Xbox and PC exclusively. We'll still give some stuff to Sony. Hmm. So, Bobby, why do you think people want to oppose this acquisition? Why? Because Microsoft pulled this shit once already. You don't really give a fuck because once the deal closes, you're going to get a very lump sum of money and you can walk away from it all. Pandering right now is not going to get you anything, okay? Uh, in response to a request for comment from the uh, FT, Sony said, we are in contact with Microsoft and have no further comment regarding our private negotiations. Kodak went on to state that, he, state that he was optimistic the Microsoft acquisition would close by July of 2022. Or I guess there's the last digit is cut off. I don't know if that's supposed to be 2023 or 2022. Noting that in its fight with the FTC, Microsoft had hired lawyer Beth Wilkinson, who previously uh, was previously hired by the commission in 2012 to lead a probe into Google. She feels like she's going to have to litigate against the FTC. She will absolutely crush them, he said. Last month, Microsoft accused Sony of misleading the EU regulator over its commitment to keeping Call of Duty on PlayStation, a key issue in regulators' scrutiny of the deal. Uh, SIE CEO Jim Ryan, Jim Lion Ryan, <laughs> uh, reportedly met EU antitrust boss Margaret Vestager in January to discuss its concerns over the rival console's firm intentions. In a series of tweets, Microsoft's chief communications officer claimed SIE had misled regulators in Brussels over Xbox commitment to keeping Activision's flagship uh, FPS series on PlayStation, aka Call of Duty. Quote, I hear Sony is briefing people in Brussels claiming Microsoft is unwilling to offer them parity for Call of Duty if we acquire Activision, wrote Frank X. Shaw. Nothing could be further from the truth. Well, how about first you offered them a three-year contract to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation? Then when they called you out on it, apparently you moved the deal to 10 years. So that would cover the remainder of this generation and a brief portion of the next generation if we keep going with console gaming. Beyond that, you offered nothing else. That is the problem with Microsoft. Okay, because everybody knows that they're going to say all the right things. And the minute the deal closes, they're going to pull back like, guess what? We're going to keep this for ourselves because they did it with Bethesda titles. Now, here's the thing. I could give a fuck less about the Elder Scrolls. I could give a fuck less about the next Fallout game, and I don't care about Starfield, right? Because I don't like Bethesda games. There are some studios under the Bethesda umbrella that I really like, Arcane, um, and I can't, um, I think it's Machine Games that does the Wolfenstein games. I love those. And Machine Games is doing the Indiana Jones games, so I'm totally psyched for that. However, Microsoft 
lied already. That's why nobody trusts them. Bobby Kotick is a fucking herb. Let me say that again for those of you in the back who did not hear me. Bobby Kotick is a fucking herb. Microsoft has been proven to lie about shit like this. And that's why everybody's probing them. Is it unfair for them to have acquired two of the biggest publishers in gaming within a three-year period? It's pretty fucking unfair. Because if anybody else did it, they would call this what? They would call it a monopoly. You guys following? All right. Just make it short. Now, as I said, <laughs> there will be more on this in a second. Well, this comes from TheVerge.com. Microsoft's Activision acquisition in peril after UK regulator warns of harm to gamers. The CMA says Microsoft could sell off Call of Duty, uh, could sell off Call of Duty business to help the deal get approved. Final ruling is due by April 26th. The UK's Competition and Markets Authority CMA already expressed concerns about Microsoft's plans to acquire Activision Blizzard last year, but now it says the deal could harm UK gamers. The CMA has published provisional findings in its investigation into the Microsoft and Activision deal and found that it could result in higher prices, fewer choices, or less innovation for UK gamers. The CMA has offered up possible remedies that include Microsoft being forced to sell off Activision Blizzard's business associated with Call of Duty. Everybody's like, oh, they wanted it because Candy Crush is the biggest IP in gaming. You really think Microsoft wanted to fucking buy Activision Blizzard for Candy Crush? For Candy Crush. My mother plays Candy Crush. She doesn't have a console. She plays it on her fucking iPhone. Okay? This is not about Candy Crush. It's about Call of Duty. And that's why Sony wants to block the deal. Which they rightfully fucking should. Because we have seen that in the console space... And in the PC space added, Call of Duty is always at the top of the NPD ch uh, charts for most sold games every single year. It's an annual title and people pump $60 to $70 into it for the base game alone. We're not even talking about the deluxe editions of the game. And this is annually. This is not about Candy Crush. Again, my mother plays Candy Crush on her fucking iPhone. My mother is not a gamer. Every time somebody would come by our house when I was younger, despite what console I had in my room, my, if the person had kids, my mom would say, take them upstairs and let them play your Nintendo. Not Nintendo, Nintendo. My mother does not know what the fuck a PlayStation is, or an Xbox for that matter. Everything is Nintendo to her. So she's not a gamer. So this is not about fucking Candy Crush. It, despite what people want you to believe, it's not. It's just not. Sorry. I know a lot of people play fucking Candy Crush. I'm not one of them. My mother is. And that tells you all you need to know. <laughs> anyway, the article goes on to say the CMA makes it clear that it's mainly concerned about two things. Cloud gaming and ex uh, game exclusivity. Quote, the evidence available to the CMA currently indicates that Microsoft would find it commercially beneficial to make Activision's games exclusive to its own cloud gaming service or only available on other services under materially worse conditions, says the UK regulator. The CMA believes that if Microsoft acquires Activision Blizzard, that would reinforce its strong position in cloud gaming, which the regulator, regulator estimates is 60 to 70% of global cloud gaming services. Microsoft could also weaken competition, competition in gaming through exclusive Activision games. The CMA warns, quote, the CMA provisionally found that weakening Competition by restricting the access that other platforms have to Activision's games could substantially reduce the competition. Competition, I'm sorry, between Xbox and PlayStation in the UK. 
in turn harming UK gamers, says the regulators. CMA has now suggested a set of possible remedies that Microsoft could take to get to approval for the Activision Blizzard acquisition in the UK. They include a suggestion for the structural remedy that involves a partial divestor of Activision Blizzard in the form of selling off the Call of Duty business. Other remedies include selling off the Activision segment or the Activision and Blizzard segments that would include the business associated with Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, and other games. None of these remedies are favorable to Microsoft. You fucking think? <laughs> and the company was likely hoping for behavioral remedies like agreements to ensure Call of Duty and other Activision games are available on rival cloud gaming services and limitations on exclu exclusivity, exclusivity for games across consoles. The CMA says behavioral remedies are like le less likely to have an effective impact in its essential ruling out that route in these provisional findings unless the regulator is confident that the remedy was capable of effective implementation monitoring and enforcement <gasps> that is a fucking mouthful dude here's the fucking thing we've seen this before again i don't give a shit about bethesda games i don't care about fallout i might play a little bit of starfield since i subscribed to game pass why the fuck not I own an Xbox Series X, so if they were to make Call of Duty exclusive, I could play it no matter what. I have a PlayStation 5 as well. I have a Nintendo Switch. I still have my Wii U. I play a lot of fucking video games. Why? Because I like video games. Is this an unfair market advantage? You're fucking right it is. I'm going to give you guys some numbers, and this is going to blow your fucking mind, and this is why you're going to have to look at this as an unfair advantage, and Microsoft is trying to catch up. PlayStation made $8.8 billion more than Xbox in 2022. Keep in mind, their consoles came out the same week. The PlayStation 5 and the Xbox, the PlayStation 5 Digital and Physical Edition, and the Xbox Series S and X both launched in November of 2020. The Xbox came out November 10th. The PlayStation consoles came out November 12th. I went to pick up my Xbox from the fucking FedEx up the street because they lost it for a minute. And by the time I got home, sat down to unbox it, there was a knock at the door, an Amazon delivery of my PlayStation 5. I have them both. So it doesn't matter. I can play Call of Duty where I want. I bought Vanguard last year or the year before on my Xbox. My cousin and I game share. He bought uh, Modern Warfare 2 on the Xbox as well. Cold War... Black Ops Cold War the previous year, I bought it on my PlayStation 5. So I can play it any fucking where I want to play it. All right? PlayStation is making more money because everybody's like, well, Xbox is going to kill in this generation. There is a shortage. Microsoft made a deal with chipset manufacturers so they can get their consoles out there more quicker and, and uh, they would have better numbers. And even with that... Apparently, Sony made $8.8 billion more than Xbox did in 2022. Per a roundup from Tweaktown, PlayStation soared above Xbox in 2022, earning $8.8 billion more than in its games division. This isn't surprising. However, it's very possible that the Greens will have a much stronger year thanks to a scattering of anticipated games. Interestingly, the discrepancy between the two titans has been maintained from 2021 to 2022. Tweaktown notes that the calculations do not include Xbox gaming profits as those statistics are under wraps. Sony and Microsoft offer totally different gaming experiences, too, with Sony beefing up its roster with expensive exclusives that stay at a premium price for a while, and Microsoft giving away a lot of its exclusives on Xbox Game Pass. You can't teach business with free shit. In the words of the great Loaded Lux, you cannot teach business with free shit.
And that's the problem. While Game Pass is a great value, you're going to always be number two. Because they'll buy... Here's the thing. When they make the... If they were... Let's say the CMA and the UK and all that, they approve this deal. And then Call of Duty goes to Game Pass. Nobody's buying it anymore because they're going to fucking pay it, uh, play it for free. Now, they have to contractually allow it on PlayStation for at least the next three to four years. So if you want to play it on the PlayStation, yeah, you got to buy it. So they could, I guess, recoup some. Of, no, you can't recoup a loss like that. That's a lot of fucking money going out the door because you guys are in the business of selling a subscription service instead of selling consoles. And I think that's where Microsoft is fucked up. Though I am a Game Pass subscriber and I love it. Think about it. I can take my X I can take my iPad Pro anywhere with me, sync an Xbox controller, and I can play a lot of Game Pass shit right there on my iPad. And that is a hell of a fucking value. Let me fucking tell you. Is it costing them? Absolutely. Xbox has a handful of cards up its sleeves for 2023. Starfield, Redfall, Forza Motorsport, Stalker 2, Heart of Chernobyl, State of the K3, The Outer Worlds 2, and the Fable Reboot, to name a few. We'll have to wait and see how things shakes out. Um that Fable reboot, that ain't coming this year, Chief. I'm telling you that shit right now. The rest of them, we know that Starfield and Redfall are coming. We know that Forza Motorsport is more than likely coming in the fall. Stalker 2, I'm not sure. State of Decay, uh, I would imagine sometime this year. And the Outer Worlds 2, possibly as well. That Fable re reboot is not coming this year. I'm telling you that shit right the fuck now. Um, As far as the deal, look, if they have to sell off Call of Duty... <laughs> To get this deal to go through, that's a loss for Microsoft. I'm telling you right now, that is a fucking loss because that's truly what they want. Don't let anybody tell you they did this because they wanted Candy Crush because they don't fucking care that much about Candy Crush. I know it makes a lot of mo money in mobile gaming, but Call of Duty is an absolute juggernaut. All right. We have not seen anything like Call of Duty. The only games that are up there with Call of Duty every year whatever annual Madden title it is, whatever annual NBA 2K title it is, and for whatever reason, Grand Theft Auto V will not die, so it's always on the MPD charts as well. None of them is touching Call of Duty in terms of sales. If they have to sell off Call of Duty, at that point, I would just cancel the whole fucking deal. I would can't, like, what, like, what else? Okay, you could gain Crash Bandicoot. Which most people will always feel like is a PlayStation title because you had to have a PlayStation to play it originally, right? Um, I just added World of Warcraft. Okay, there's a lot of WoW players in the world. I'll give you that. Overwatch, not hearing great things about Overwatch 2 and the numbers have dwindled as well, okay? So a lot of those games, they just don't have the luster that you would have gotten had you held on to Call of Duty. And if you have to sell off Call of Duty, me, to be completely honest with you, that's like going and buying a new car and it doesn't come with uh, Bluetooth. Uh, it's like coming with a tape deck, a cassette deck, or a CD player. How the fuck am I supposed to use this? Are you kidding me? Like, it, it, it would be weird to me to even have to plug a fucking aux cord into my phone, right? This does not look good. That's all I'm saying. In other gaming news, Nintendo had a hell of a direct yesterday. Uh, Metroid Prime Remastered is available for the Switch now. The Nintendo uh, Switch Online Expansion Pack added some Game Boy Color games and uh, also adding some Game Boy Advance games as well. So you guys should go check that out. 
For me, uh, Pikmin 4 was showing off, which I don't care about, to be completely honest with you. They showed a bunch of other shit, too. I think there was a Fire Emblem game and some other shit. I didn't take notes because I had this. I had to catch it late. I was like, oh, fuck, there's a Nintendo Direct going on right now, but I was also at work. Probably was not supposed to be watching it, but hey, who knows? It doesn't fucking matter. The fact of the matter is... We saw a new trailer for The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, the highly anticipated follow-up to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which launched with the Switch on March 3rd of 2017. This one has people's panties all in a tussle. Confirmed, Zelda T Tears of the Kingdom is the first $70 Switch game. Oh my god, $70 for a video game. How could they do this? Nintendo 64 games cost 90 fucking dollars in 1996. Where were you people at? Y'all say y'all are gamers, and I think a lot of you motherfuckers are Johnny-come-latelys because Nintendo 64 games were 90 fucking dollars in 1996. You guys don't remember. I was there. Yes, I'm that old. Yes. Yes. I'll be 41 in June. I was there. $70 is not that big a deal, especially when we've been conditioned because Take-Two was like, yeah, our games are going to be $70. NBA 2K. Take-Two. 2K is 2K Sports is part of Take-Two. NBA 2K, 70 bucks. If you want the deluxe edition, 100 bucks. Da 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 da. Call of Duty, 70 bucks. On PlayStation and Xbox, for that matter. But it's like, it's Sony's fault. No, it's not. EA was like, nope, we're going to $70. 2K, we're going to $70. It's everybody, somehow it's Sony's fault. I, I, how could PlayStation do this? Shut the fuck up. All right? Shut up. Anyway, uh, retailers have begun taking pre orders that increase price point following Wednesday, Wednesday's Nintendo Direct. Following Nintendo's latest Direct live stream on Wednesday, the company confirmed the Switch title will have an increased price point. In addition to the standard version, which will also be which will be available at suggested retail price of $69.99, a Tears of the Kingdom Collector's Edition will release at suggested retail price of $129.99. I gotta check GameStop.com to see if I can still get one of those, because I want that. It includes a physical version of the game, an art book with concept art, steel bookcase, icon, icon art steel poster, and a set of four pin badges. This marks the first time Nintendo has charged more than $59.99 for a standard edition of a digital Switch game. Rival console firms PlayStation and Xbox raised all their first-party game prices to $70 over the past two years. It's not clear yet whether retailers will honor existing $59.99 pre-orders, though Amazon tends to honor the lowest price a product reaches during its pre-order period. Alongside the new trailer, Nintendo released 27 new Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom screenshots. Earlier this week, Nintendo's president told investors that the company had done our best to maintain both value and price of hardware and software within our long-term business strategy, and that it does not believe that any changes to this policy are necessary at this stage. Nintendo published the latest financial results on Tuesday in which it said fluctuations in foreign exchange and markets had contributed to a decline in sales and profits despite strong sales of Switch games and hardware. Well, that's funny because the Nintendo Switch just passed the PlayStation 4 in lifetime sales the other day. PlayStation sold $117 million, I think. And Nintendo's at 125 million Switches sold or something like that. So it's the Switch, the PS4, the Nintendo DS, uh, the Wii, the PS2, and I think maybe the Game Boy. Those are the highest selling gaming consoles, whether handheld or home consoles, in the history of video games. That's pretty fucking impressive competition. PS2, PS4, the Wii, the Switch. These are all great consoles. Um, the strange thing about this is that Okay, yeah, we're getting the sequel to Breath of the Wild. I don't know where it falls in the Legend of Zelda line. Um, 
they're using assets that were left over from Breath of the Wild. I don't care. But it's like, well, why would you pay $70 fucking dollars? Because it's the Legend of Zelda, you fucking idiot. It's the fucking Legend of Zelda. Do I have to say that again? I will. Because I will. It is the fucking Legend of Zelda. That's why I'm going to pay $70. Understand that. And if I can get my hands on that fucking collector's edition, it's $129. I don't give a fuck. I'm telling you guys this. Um, it is 2023. We're six years into the life. Whatever they're doing next at Nintendo, whether it's the Switch 2 or whatever it is, it needs to be an R&D right now. Um, I, I saw a lot of people like, well, that game's going to run at 30 fucking uh, FPS and maybe 900p. And to be honest, they're 100% right. It's time to put this hardware to bed. So... Maybe they're saving the next flagship Mario title for the next Nintendo console, or maybe the next uh, Mario Kart title for the next flagship Nintendo console. I don't know what's going on, but I bet you my sweet ass will be playing The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, and I don't give a fuck about the price. I'm sorry if you guys do. I know the economy is in dire straits, but again, it is The Legend of fucking Zelda. Need I say more? That's why I'm buying it. I don't give a fuck what y'all do with y'all wallets. My daughter's taken care of. That's all I gotta worry about. Sorry, fuckers. I'm playing this game. Alright? At full fucking price. So, fuck you guys. Um, <laughs> speaking of Take-Two, I brought them up a sec uh, second ago. Take-Two let's look set to make layoffs as part of a $50 million cost, $50 million cost reduction program announced on Monday. So... In the tech industry, the video game layoffs continue as well. Rockstar and 2K Games owner revealed the plan as part of its earning results for the fiscal third quarter, which ended in December of 22. Quote, in light of the current backdrop and take too strong commitment to efficiency, the company is implementing a cost reduction program expected to yield over $50 million of annual savings, which it will begin to realize in the fourth quarter of its fiscal year of 2023, it said. The program includes personnel, processes, infrastructure, and other areas, and will primarily focus on corporate and publishing functions. In an interview with GamesIndustry.biz, Take-Two CEO Strauss Zelnick said the company isn't planning a broad-based reduction in its workforce. That's horseshit. We continue to support and build our development teams, and where we have overhead, we have to be very diligent about looking at the overhead, he said. We don't expect any kind of broad-based reduction in force. We are going department by department, department and trying to drive efficiency. This cost reduction program is in addition to the over $100 million cost of synergies the company expects to realize from its combination with Zynga, and it's not expected to impact the delivery of its robust multi-year pipeline, Take-Two continued. Take-Two believes these actions, combined with the focus on profitability growing in scale, will enable the company to maximize its margins as it delivers on anticipated, anticipated growth trajectory over the next few years. Um... You got 2K and you got Rockstar. 2K is still putting out games. As I mentioned, WWE 2K23 is coming next month. It'll come in time for WrestleMania. NBA 2K comes out annually in September or October. So 2K Sports is holding up their end of the title or the situation. Rockstar, for whatever reason... We don't have Grand Theft Auto 6. Keep in mind that Grand Theft Auto 5 came out September of 2013 on the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. This might be one of the first games to go three gaming generations. Xbox 360, PS3, PS4, Xbox One, PS5, Xbox Series X and S. Am I guilty? Yes. Did I buy it on all those consoles? Well, I bought it on the PlayStation 3. 
And then the PlayStation 4 came out two months later. And then a year later, they released it on the PlayStation 4, and I bought it on the PlayStation 4. And then, well, six years later, the PlayStation 5 came out, and then in 2022, they released it on the PlayStation 5, and I bought it there too. So yes, I am fucking guilty of this just like everybody else is. However, I'm not guilty of playing Grand Theft Auto Online. That's you other motherfuckers. I don't even like people enough to be online playing a lot of games like that. I certainly don't like a lot of you motherfuckers, so I'm not going to play video games with you. If Rockstar would put out a new fucking game, or if Rockstar had given us a PS5 Series X update of Red Dead Redemption 2, and yes, I, I bought Red Dead Redemption 2 on the PlayStation 4 and also bought it on the Xbox One. Yes, I'm guilty. I fucking know. But if they would put out other games, remember when Rockstar used to put out a game like every fucking year? Um... Uh, Manhunt, GTA 3, GTA Vice City, GTA San Andreas, which is bullshit, by the way. San Andreas is the worst of the games. And then you got, like, the Warriors and Midnight Club. They had all these fucking games. They don't do that anymore because they have all their studios working on one game at a time. We saw that if you just if you just watch the credits roll on Red Dead Redemption 2, it takes, like, I don't know how long it takes for the fucking credits to roll, but it's a pretty long goddamn time. Um, Rockstar needs to hold up their end of the bargain. Because I know it's costing them an arm and a leg to fucking make Grand Theft Auto 6. And I'll tell you what right fucking now. That game better change my life. And they better start talking about it soon. Okay, because what the fucking fuck. Anyway, my last story is going to be very, very brief. The Last of Us, this comes from comicbookgaming.com. The Last of Us star Troy Baker open to returning in The Last of Us Part 3. Troy Baker, the actor who portrayed Joel in both The Last of Us and The Last of Us Part 2, has expressed an interest in returning to the role once again if The Last of Us Part 3 becomes a reality. Hey, guess what? The show's really fucking good on HBO, and Season 2 already got greenlit, and we know Factions is coming. Sony's gonna call Naughty Dog like, hey, I don't know what you guys are doing, but get started on fucking The Last of Us 3, alright? I need that game. We need that game. For financial reasons, you have to do it. Also... You don't do uh, one part in a sequel. You usually want to do things in a trilogy. The Last of Us two, Part 2, The Last of Us ended on a high note, or so we thought, because Joel lied to Ellie, and then Ellie found out later on. The Last of Us Part 2 ended in peril. It is like watching uh, The Empire Strikes Back. You have to finish the series up with a third game. It needs to be a trilogy. Um... <clears throat> While some rumors and reports in recent months have suggested that the studio's next game will be The Last of Us Part 3, those in charge at Naughty Dog have been cagey about what's next. Regardless if Part 3 were to happen, Baker has already made it clear that he's down to be involved in any manner. Speaking of comicbook.com's The Last of Us Pods podcast, Baker expressed he would very much be open to the idea of coming back to portray Joel in the future Last of Us project. Although he stressed that he has no clue if a new sequel in The Last of Us Part 3 would ever come to be, Baker said that he would definitely look to return as long as the writer and director Neil Druckmann wanted him back in some capacity. Quote, my whole thing is, and people always ask, is there going to be a Last of Us Part 3? I have no idea. No idea. I didn't know there was going to be a Part 2, Baker said. But if Neil has a story that he wants to tell and he wants me to be a part of it in any way, I'm there seven days a week and twice on Sunday. I would absolutely follow him and I followed him to the gates of hell and back and bought ice cream. The only complicated part about Baker playing Joel in The Last of Us Part 3 is that his character largely unwritten out of the following events of the Part 2. 
and such if Joel did come back in The Last of Us Part 3, it would likely be in many way in ways that many fans wouldn't expect. Still, if Druckmann has an idea that would see Joel playing a prominent part in Part 3, it's good to know that Baker should very much be playing the character again. Here's the thing. Obviously, Joel gets killed two hours into the fucking game in The Last of Us Part 2, so it would have to be flashbacks, or it would have to be some sort of a prequel that covers Joel and Tommy after the outbreak, I would imagine. You could kind of do the time jump sequel prequel thing that they did with The Godfather Part 2, which I might add is often discussed as one of the greatest films of all time. In my opinion, it definitely is. So, it works. They jumped from character to character in The Last of Us Part 2 between Allie and Ebby, and guess, guess what, guys? That's not a spoiler because the game came out in 2020 and it's 2023. I don't want to hear that spoiler shit. Derek, you spoiled the game. Shut the fuck up game's been out for three years now almost a full three years don't want to hear it. anyway um if he came back yeah they I, if i was going to write it in the same way when people were like well, what would you do for a third red dead redemption sequel prequel you do the godfather 2 gag it's the only way it works for red dead 2 i want to see the blackwater massacre because red dead 2 picks up after they flee blackwater what happened on the boat what the fuck happened on the boat I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to see it. Um, and I feel like The Last of Us should do the same thing. And um, should Ellie die at the end? I don't know. I thought Clementine was definitely going to die at the end of The Walking Dead. And she didn't. So, I mean, I was actually very surprised at that. But um, I, if, I'm not a gambling man. Gun to my head right now. I think The Last of Us Part 3 is happening. Otherwise, there's no reason to do factions. You're going to do factions and just leave it right there? And Part 2 ended the way it did? No, they got to do Part 3. It just it doesn't make any sense to end with factions being the last game in The Last of Us series. That makes no sense to anybody with a fucking brain that works. All right? So I don't know. I think there should definitely be a Last of Us Part 3. And I think somewhere... I don't know if they're... And, and, and you know what? I take it back because... Druckmann said that there was an outline in his head for the third game. All right, so that fucking makes sense. That game is happening. I don't know when, but it's fucking happening. Anyway, that's all I got for you guys this weekend. Uh, again, it is Super Bowl Sunday. Also, speaking of The Last of Us, because the Super Bowl is tomorrow, this week's episode, out of respect for the Super Bowl, shout out to HBO, aired on Friday night, so you guys should check that out if you haven't already. Um, Again, I'm going to end this like I end every every other episode of the podcast. Believe in yourself first and foremost, because if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else will believe in you. My name is Derek Lamont Jackson. That is all my time. I got to go. Peace out.